0: title this talk, Play Your Part. Play Your Part. The Apostle Paul writes to the church in a city called Corinth, and he uh, puts it like this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you've got a phone on you, dig it out, Google this with me. Uh, It's also going to appear on the screens. But 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, we're going to start together at verse 12. It says this, Just as a body, though one, has many parts, But all of its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body. And whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, we were given one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, but I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are Many parts but one body. The eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honourable, we treat with special honour. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honour to the parts that lacked it so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for one another. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. I wonder, have you ever struggled to find your place in something? Ever found yourself kind of feeling, I don't fit here. I can't see what my place is in this. Have you ever found yourself feeling that way? I feel that way so often, I'll be really honest with you. And it's like the experience of my whole life is is kind of just feeling a little bit out of place. And and I never felt more like that than when I was at school. When I was at primary school, I was that kind of weird kid. You know, I was like pushing a pencil up my nose and like staring into the distance and not concentrating or giving any focus. I think my teachers called me a bit of a space cadet. And and like I, I I didn't really connect very strongly with the world around me. And my parents thought maybe it would help me if they signed me up for football. My dad's a massive Shrewsbury Town football supporter. I have no idea why because I don't think I've ever won a match in their lives. But he's a massive supporter. And they decided that they would run this club, this kind of after school football academy thing where you could sign up and you would gain football skills and you'd make friendships and you'd grow in confidence. And they thought it would be a good thing for me. So reluctantly, I signed up and I agreed to be a part of it. And um, I remember queuing up there with all these uh, little boys, you know, standing along the the sidelines They're being picked for different places in the team. And like, you can go here and you can go here. And like, this is the place for you and and you go here. And then the coach coming to me and just looking at me and like, maybe he could see in my soul, but he knew that I wasn't going to be any good at football. He was like, "Um, maybe defense for you. Like, maybe let's put you in defense, you know? And I was like, okay, I don't really know what that means, but that's great. Turns out what that means is, or what I understand it to mean is, you stand by the goal, you do pretty much nothing, and you get cold. So I got bored, like really quickly, we're playing this match, and and I can just see all of my friends running around with the ball, having great fun in the distance, and I'm standing by the goal getting bored, and like I say, I wasn't the most normal kid, and I started to uh, get distracted, and I started to like look down at my shadow, I was like, oh I can chase my shadow, and look like my shadow moves when I'm moving, and I'm like running around after my shadow, and after a while I got so bored that I just sat down on my bum and looked at the underside of my football boots, because I was like, what do they look like from underneath, like this is so interesting, and as I was staring down, giving all that my attention could to my football boots this ball shot past me straight into the goal and you could see every member of the team and the coaches and all the parents on the side down looking at me being like whose kid is that like who brought him to the football training it was so embarrassing and then I got to secondary school And secondary school was great because we had a PE teacher who introduced me to a new sport that I'd never played before. And this sport is a beautiful combination of throwing and catching a ball combined with ruthless, uh, uncontrolled physical violence. It's called rugby. Anyone play rugby? So good to watch. I went to see Chiefs women play the other day and it was brutal. It's so great to watch. And the PE teacher kind of looked at me as he was putting the team together and he picked me for the role of a prop. And I was like, well, I don't know what that means, but I'm going to find out. Turns out it's the best role on the team. I wasn't that fast. I couldn't catch the ball. I couldn't really throw the ball, but I can tackle kids like there's no tomorrow. And I had the best job. My job was to hold up the scrum um, uh, and to let the hooker get the ball out or or to dive myself into the rucks and like push all the other kids out of the way. Or or, or the best bit, which was seeing a kid running with the ball and taking them down. And you could see like the small, the weedy kid, you know, the kid who's playing rugby for the first time and he gets past the ball and he sees me running at him and he's like, I better pass this thing because I'm about to know what's going to happen. I'm going to take him down. Uh, It was so great. Like the best sport I've ever played. School rugby is so violent and I loved it. And it's like, I found my place. It's like I'd found the, the role that fitted me. It's like I'd found the thing that I could contribute to the team. Like I'd grown a little bit faster and a little bit, uh, well, I'd not grown faster, I'd grown slower, but I'd grown taller than everyone else and I'd got a little bit wider and suddenly I had a place. I had a thing that I could contribute. I had a thing that I could give And where I'm going with this is this. There's so much joy. There's so much life. There's so much fulfillment and purpose to be found when we play our part. The the part that's uniquely made out for us. That's what Paul says in this passage to the Corinthians. That's what he says it means to be the church, to be a part of something bigger than ourselves, a diverse group of people with one thing in common, this pursuit of Jesus. And then to play our part In that body to change the world around us I love what the the author and the leader Craig Rochelle says he says we don't just go to church we are the church we are spiritual contributors not spiritual consumers the church does not exist for us we are the church and we exist for the world It's another way of putting it, written by William Temple, an early Archbishop of Canterbury. He said this, the church is the only society on earth that exists for the benefit of its non-members. Isn't that great? That's what we belong to. That's what we're part of. That's what this body is about. And let's be honest, that's a pretty countercultural idea. To exist and be part of something that's not for your own benefit, but is for the benefit of others, that has a a purpose greater than its own. And we live in this culture that is risk-averse and commitment-free and wants to stand on the sidelines and observe rather than throw ourselves in. But I don't think that's what God called us to be or to do. He called us to sell out, not check out. He called us to be participants and not observers. He called us to be uh, contributors and not consumers because that's how we play our part in seeing this vision become a reality. Of all the ways that God could have chosen to interact with the world. Of all the ways that God could do the things that I mentioned at the start, transform society, like lift up the poor and the lowly, change the nature of the church, turn around broken families, of all the ways that God could choose to do that, he could just sweep in, but he doesn't. He chooses to use us. He chooses to use ordinary people like us. That's what excites me most about this thing. He chooses humans and, and he takes our small steps of faith and he uses them. He, he takes our prayers and he answers them. He, he takes our generosity and our giving and he uses it to do big things. That's what it means to be the church. To be the church means to be a group of people united by one thing, but from different backgrounds and different ages and stages and different cultures and and, and different uh, stories. But to come together united by the Holy Spirit with one purpose. To come together. I love that. It says in this passage, united by the Holy Spirit, that when one of us succeeds, we all succeed. When one of us suffers, we all suffer. In verse 13, it puts it like this. For we've all been baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles. That was the racial differentiation at the time. Slave or free, that was the cultural differentiation at the time. And we were all given one spirit to drink. Even so, the body's not made up of one part, but of many. We are united by the Holy Spirit. It's being filled with the Holy Spirit that glues us together and makes us more than the sum of our parts. You might be here today and and you're struggling in some way. You're suffering in some way. Well, let me tell you, if you're part of this body, then we suffer with you. You might be here today and you're winning at life. Like things are going well for you. I want to tell you, if you're part of this body, we're succeeding with you. If you're facing financial problems, or you're facing relationship problems, or you're facing criticism, whatever it is, if you're struggling or you're celebrating, we are with you and we're together in this because that's how a body works. It only works when it comes together. Verse 18 says this, But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. You know, the biggest danger on Vision Sunday is you hear the big vision. You you hear the grand idea and you write yourself off because you can't see a place for yourself within that vision. I want to say tonight that there is a place for you within this vision. You, You might look at these guys and you say, oh, well, I can't sing like Josh and play guitar like him. So there's no place for me. Or you might say, do you know what, I'm, I'm really bad at making coffee. Like, every time I do, I burn it, and I'm not that friendly, and I'm a bit of an introvert. Like, cafe and welcome, that, that's not for me. Like, I could never do one of those kind of roles. Or, or like, I just, I'm, maybe like genuinely like me, terrified of small children. They're like irrational flocks of beings, and they move around in unexpected ways. And you think, oh, do you know what, I could never contribute to, to our kids' work. Or you think, oh, there's, there's nothing about me that could connect with our youth or our students. That's just not true. It's just not true. God has placed you uniquely in this body. God put the body together just as he wanted it to be. And you are not here by accident. Even if you're here for the first time, you are not here by accident. God's placed you here Because through you, he's going to transform Exeter, and he's going to transform your family, and he's going to transform your school, and he's going to transform your workplace. You are God's plan for the transformation of that thing. The body only works when every limb and every organ work together in harmony. And in the same way, I'll be honest with you, our church needs you to play our part, play your part. It needs you to play your part in this vision. You know, there's always space if you're a visitor here and, and you just want to like come in and see what it's about and, and you're just trying church for the first time. There's always a place for you. There's always a seat for you at the table. The door's always open for you to come in. But if this is your family, if this is the church that you call yourself a part of, I want to encourage you to go from being an observer to being a contributor, to play your part within the body that we are together to see God do what he can only do in us. Someone wants to put it like this. The church is a battleship and not a cruise line. I've been watching, anyone get bored and watch YouTube late at night, I've been watching this YouTube channel of people who go on cruises, and I've never been on a cruise, and I'm not planning to go on a cruise, so I don't quite know why I'm watching it, but I watch it um, a lot of the time, because it's like fascinating. You go on these huge floating islands, and they're full of comfort, and you can have everything. You can get your hair cut. Like, there are like six cinemas on board. There are theatres. There are 10 different restaurants. There are multiple swimming pools and spas and everything you could want, and it's so comfortable. But, but let me tell you this the church is not that kind of ship the church is not that kind of body the church has a purpose and it has a mission and it has a calling and yeah there's space for you if you're struggling or you're hurting like we'll take care of you but this body this thing that we're part of it has a purpose it has a calling it has a mission it's a battleship and not a cruise liner it's called to be part of the body of Christ, to actively participate in the restoration of the whole world. Something bigger than us. I mentioned at the start that three years ago we were moving down here to relaunch this church with the help of a lot of other people. And I was in that kind of phase where we were just about to move down here and we were trying to get our house sorted out and trying to get our lives sorted out. And I was spending a lot of time on the train between London and Exeter. And I was on the cheap train. If anyone takes the train to London, there's one that goes direct and is really quick, but it's quite expensive. And there's one that is cheap as chips, but it stops everywhere in the south of England on the way. And I was taking the cheap train. So this train journey was taking hours and hours. And I was stuck at some little place called Crew Kern, which is not the kind of place I would ever want to visit. But I was stuck in this place, and, and then the, the announcement came on the little speaker, and he was like, we're going to be waiting here for 40 minutes. I was like, no, 40 minutes on my journey that I wasn't expecting. I found myself staring out of the window and thinking about the vision for Exeter, thinking about the vision to see a whole generation of students come to know Jesus, thinking about the vision to see a whole lot of families finding a place and faith in the church, thinking about the vision of seeing a church so active in their everyday lives, so radical, so sharp and distinctive in their Christian faith that they can't help but transform the places that they go, dreaming of what this church might be before we'd even opened the doors on our first Sunday. And I felt overwhelmed. I was like, that's big, I don't, know what, I don't know what to do. I don't know what I can bring to that. I don't know what I could add to that. And as I sat there looking at the countryside outside the window, I felt like God gave me a picture, a picture in my mind. And it was like I saw a heart beating away. And it was like, you know, just watching this heart beating. And then I felt like God said to me, I want your church to be a beating heart for the city around it a beating heart for the city around it. And I knew nothing about the heart and I was kind of bored. So I started Googling stuff about the heart and, and, and I was praying as I was thinking and I was Googling and as I was praying, it's okay to pray and to Google at the same time in case you didn't know that. And I was praying and I was Googling and I saw that the heart has these four distinct phases of every heartbeat. Every time your heart beats, there are four distinct things happening. And as I was praying and I was thinking, I just had these four words come into my mind. I felt like God was speaking to me, saying this church, it's about inviting, belonging, equipping, and sending, inviting, belonging, equipping, sending in every heartbeat. These things are happening again and again and again. Inviting, belonging, equipping, sending. We're called to be a church who invite people in, who throw open the doors and say, do you know what? Come to my church. Like you thought you know what church was about, but come to this church. Like It's not like you've seen. It's not the judgment you were expecting. It's not the stuffiness you're expecting. It's not the tradition you're expecting. It's free to throw open the doors and invite people to stuff. And then to create a space where people can really belong. A space that feels like home. A space where you want to take off your shoes and put up your feet and feel at home. But then to be a place of equipping. Where people are encouraged and they're trained and they're, and they're built up. And so that when they go out into their everyday lives, they're kind of just a little bit more confident in their faith. And a little bit more confident in their, in their sharing of the thing that Jesus has done in them. And then just to actively be a church about sending people out. About not trying to hold on to everyone who comes through the doors of this place. But to say, yeah, do you know what? You go. Like Monday morning, wherever you find yourself, that's what we're praying for. That's what we're excited about. That's the thing that we're we're hungry for. We're hungry for the things that you're going to do when you get outside the church doors, not the things that happen inside. To send people and resources and things out that we might see extra transformed. And it's like, in my mind, I hope you don't mind me laboring this point, but it's like a heartbeat, like inviting, belonging, equipping, sending, inviting, belonging, equipping, sending. That's what we're called to do. That's what we're called to be. It was a word that stuck to me. It's never really left me. You know, we're at that point where we've been inviting people and we've been trying to belong together as a body and we've been trying to equip each other. And now it's time to start doing some sending. And this year, that's exactly what we're going to do. Um, last week, we announced that one of our best couples, Matt and Laura Clayton, they're, they're going to go and they're going to lead a church in Exeter called Unlimited. And it's a church with a focus on reaching the next generation, a, a church that has a radical purpose, where there's a huge need, where otherwise the church might die out and, and, and shut the doors and, and close up and go away. And, and it's not that Matt and Laura are just like heading off. No, no, no. We're sending Matt and Laura to that place. Like we want them to go out full of the Holy Spirit, sent with our love and our blessing. We want to push them out into that place and see it transformed. We want to send each other out into the world so that we could see transformation around us. And a big part of that for our vision is this, church planting. Who's heard of church planting before? Church planting is about taking Life in one church and putting it in somewhere else, planting a seed of a church that we hope and pray will grow into something in another place. And this year, the year coming ahead, I mean, the year starts in September and ends in September, right? That's the way. And so this year, we are going to be sending out our first church plant. It's going to be attached to us, it's going to be part of our body, but we're going to send it to an area of the city where otherwise the church might just close its doors. And might become silent, and might miss its opportunity to transform the city around it. And we've got a little photo of the place. It's called St Andrew's in Exwick, and uh, we're having a conversation with the archdeacon, who's kind of Matt and my boss, and uh, the PCC of this church. And we're beginning to kind of tease out what it will look like to take this church and and try together with prayer and with commitment and with love to make it again the beating heart of its community inviting, belonging, equipping, sending, to see that happen in that place. And it's going to be really exciting. I'll be honest with you, we haven't pinned down all the details yet. We haven't lined up uh, all the resources. We haven't worked out exactly what's going to happen. But we're starting to send things out, to send people out, to send resources out, to see the transformation of every area of the city. Because I have a dream that there would be no neighbourhood, there'd be no place where the church isn't alive and active in our city. It's exciting to play our vision in seeing Exeter transformed, to build uh, something that God is doing in us together. So let me return to that question that I started with at the beginning of this talk. What if God's plan for the transformation of your house or or the transformation of your school or, or the transformation of your campus or the transformation of your workplace? What if God's plan to transform that thing is you? What, what if God's plan to transform Exeter is that each of us would play our part to see Jesus loved and Exeter transformed? Well, the beginning of that passage tells us what we need if we're going to see that vision become a reality. We'll, we'll never do it on our own. We'll never do it with good ideas and, uh, and, and resolve and commitment and, you know, effort. We'll do it because the Holy Spirit fills us up and sends us out. And that's what I want to pray for tonight. Would you stand with me?